This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the Tune In Radio app. And I am Lawson Walters. And we are continuing on with the show here, coming into the Encounter with God section, our 20 million movement. But of course, before we do, I have another clue for the quiz. So we know this person blessed Pharaoh twice. We know that Dinah is his daughter. And we know that he used a rock for a pillow. Now, my name was changed to Israel because I struggled with God and with men and overcame. So who is this guy? His name was Israel. His name, his no, sorry, his name became Israel. If you know who that is, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you can win a prize completely free. Of course, you have to know the answer to the quiz or you can give us a text 0491-064-669 and you will get a prize as well. Of course, this is an, uh, a really good time to maybe talk about how um, we have a number of different uh, um, radio towers right across Australia that is providing signal um, for Faith FM. And, you know, if you're listening to Faith FM right now, I just really want to affirm you that you're awesome and amazing and we love you. Um, but we just want to remind you as well, as awesome as the radio towers are, um, I can just personally attest to the... Uh, you know, the increase in quality that comes with digital radio. So we have uh, an app that we use. It's called the TuneIn app. You can download that at the App Store or Google Play or whatever phone you use um, and connect to listen to our radio, radio digitally right across the world, wherever you are. Um, I think it's a super awesome, effective way to listen to radio so that there's no, you know, fuzzy noises when you drive around and there's no issues or anything like that. Um, do we have a Faith FM app? Hey, we have a Faith FM app. It's new. It just came out. We have a Faith FM Australia app. Wow, I'm, I am doing a terrible job. I'm like not even up with it. I need to get my head in the game. But yeah, so you can download the Faith FM app and listen to Faith FM. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Shell. Um, so yeah, then you can listen to us right across, right across the world. So now we have come to our time of Bible study. Lyle, are we, we going to do a Bible study? Yeah, we'll do a Bible study. Why not? I'm just oh. looking for some uh, information here. But it's just not coming up. Anyway, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. We have been studying the book of Nehemiah, um, one of my favorite books in the Bible, um, one of my greatest heroes in the Bible. So Nehemiah chapter 5, we're going to start from verse 14. We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. <clears throat> Reading about Nehemiah. Okay, so let's just give a little bit of background. Nehemiah has been dealing with a very, very large um, prosperity gap. Mm. So there is uh, the gap between the wealthy and the poor is has become very, very, very large um, due to you know um, real financial pressure within the new state of Judah that has been formed as a result of the exiles returning from captivity. They've come back from, come, come back from, activi- from captivity. Some of them were slaves who had to be purchased. Uh, their freedom had to be purchased. Jewish people had to buy them so that they could go back to the uh, country of Judah to reestablish this particular nation. And as a result, they have arrived there with basically nothing. Mm. Then you have some people who, while living in 
Babylon and in Persia did incredibly well for themselves. And we know that a lot of Jews had absolutely thrived under Babylonian and Persian rule. Mm. You have examples like Daniel, um, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, who were uh, Daniel's prime minister of, the, of both empires for a period. Um, his three friends were rulers over the province of Babylon, had very, very high positions in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. You have people like Mordecai, who becomes um, prime minister of the Persian Empire. You have Esther, who becomes queen of the Persian Empire. You have Nehemiah, who is uh, cupbearer to the emperor. You know, and the and the list goes on and on and on. There are you know a whole bunch of um, very very wealthy Jews who have done very very well for themselves, but the majority who have gone back to Judah are very very poor. Okay, so they go back to Judah. They've got nothing. You have some wealthy people there. They are now in a position because money creates opportunity. Mm -hmm. They are in a position. They have opportunities to make money and to make money at the expense of the poor because the poor have basically become slaves in that, okay, how are they going to pay their taxes? How are they going to you know provide for themselves? And as a result, they end up actually becoming slaves again. So the slaves in Persia, their, their, their slavery has been purchased and they've gone from one slavery to another. Mm. So they've gone from Persian slavery to Jewish slavery. Mm. And Nehemiah steps in and is like, you know, this is all wrong. This is absolutely wrong. This is not how it should be. And, you know, a lot of them have gone into slavery because they have borrowed money. Now, it was illegal for a Jewish person to charge interest of another Jewish person. They were allowed to charge interest of Gentiles, Mm -hmm. but not of Jewish people because um, they had been a nation of slaves. And interest is one of those things that can very easily and very quickly uh, create slavery. Mm-hmm. And so even though they were charging, you know, like a 1% um, interest, which is incredibly low uh, rate of, uh, of interest, it was still interest and it was enough. Mm. When you are that poor and when you are that broke, that is enough interest to bring you unstuck. And, of course, then they'd been hit with a uh, drought. Mm. And of course, once you get hit with a drought and there is no backstop there, you are a subsistence farmer, that's it, you're done, you're a slave. Mm. That's your only means of survival. And so, you know, Nehemiah sits down with him, he's like, you know, Nehemiah is an incredibly wealthy man. Um, King's Cupbearer is just a a position of incredibly high, you know, incredibly um, high position within the the government. And so he sits down and says, look, this is not right. You know, myself, you guys, you purchased these people, you bought them off their Persian slave masters or their Babylonian slave masters so that they could be free and now you've enslaved them again. Mm. And so they all swear an oath together that this is not going to happen, this is not what they're going to be involved in and they set these people free and they cancel a bunch of debts and they cancel um, the concept of usury, as it says in the old King James Version, usury being... Um, the concept of uh, of paying interest. And they're starting to get things back online, which is where we pick up today's story in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14. Please, Lawson. The Bible says in verse 14, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. What does that actually mean? Um, that they didn't take the the money that was 
provided for them by that's right. So when you're the governor, governor, you get paid. Yeah. Okay. So you become the prime minister of Australia, you're going to get paid. And 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 here's the here's the equivalent. You know, of he's the head of state. Here's the governor. Here's the prime minister of that particular country. It's a small country, and it is a country under uh, deep poverty. But in those days, heads of state had a much wider pay gap than uh, heads of state do here. Say, for instance, in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, our prime ministers are not doing it hard. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. They are not struggling and they regularly, we know how they regularly like to vote themselves a pay rise. It's like, oh, let's vote ourselves a pay rise. And strangely enough, it always seems to get bipartisan <laughs> support. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. It's like, oh, yes, what a good idea. This is the only thing we're going to agree on all year is a pay rise for all MPs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Nehemiah kind of does the opposite here, doesn't he? Mm. Okay, so basically what he says is, look, um, throughout this entire period, um, he, he, he says, look, I'm just going to live off my own savings. Now, Nehemiah was able to do that because he had the wealth to do that. Mm. But he does not take the pay that is due to him as governor of that particular territory. I'm like, I'm kind of confused. Like, the gears are kind of turning in my head. I'm like, if Artaxerxes is paying him to be the governor, like, he's not taking money from the people and, like, putting burden on their economy. If he's taking money from Artaxerxes, who's then paying why doesn't him, he just take why it? Why doesn't he just take it? That's a very good question. Okay, so this is, the, this is how the system works. Um, our prime minister is not paid by Queen Elizabeth. True. Our prime minister is paid by you and I. Yes. And it was exactly the same in those days. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So the that tax, makes, the tax from the people right. provided tax, for the... Ah, okay. The tax from the people that uh, was taken, a portion of that provided for the governor and the government, and he decides, you know what? I should live off my own savings you know, throughout my tenure as governor here of this nation. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So what do you think of that? Do you think there should be uh, heads of state that do that kind of thing now? Um, I think there are heads of state who could very much do that kind of thing. Like, I, I think what Nehemiah is doing here is a very gracious and generous thing. I think that he recognizes the situation of where the people are at. He's like, okay, like, we're in a super tough financial situation. I need to put my best foot forward in supporting them here. But I don't necessarily think that every government officials should just be like oh yeah you know what i'm just gonna you know get a second job and get paid by that like i think there's fully uh, wasn't malcolm turnbull like a like a multimillionaire or something like a lot of the prime ministers are getting are like very 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 substantially wealthy and could go without a pay rise that they vote themselves in in for but um but donald trump doesn't get, doesn't get paid yeah well he just does it for free <laughs> he does it for his ego. Uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, you know, in the in the, in the in but you know, the, uh, being prime being president of the United States did have to be like the most massive wage cut that Donald Trump ever had. It's just kind of like, well, what's the point in taking you know that pittance of a salary yeah. when uh, when you've got the uh, money behind him that's backing him? Um, but yeah. You know, it's like the the parable of the Pharisee and the publican who come to repent, and it's like the Pharisee repents so that he can be in the eye of the people, and it says that he has his reward. So it's like, 
Yeah, he Donald Trump gets what he wants by being prime minister. I Pre- mean, president. president. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, hey, I can't, I can't judge the guy. I don't know the guy f- from a bar of soap. Um, and you know, but I definitely think that it's actually a positive thing. It is because he could, he could easily take that money, uh, but he doesn't. He sees it as being something symbolically. Is like, I don't need it, so I won't. Yeah, which and, is good. You know, I doubt that Nehemiah was at the level of wealth of Donald Trump. Mm. And throughout his uh, tenure as governor, living off his savings alone, there's every possibility that, you know, by the end of that, he was pretty much financially tapped out. Yeah, especially like it's it's a 12-year period in which he does so. Yeah, you're 12 years living off your savings is a long time. time. You think about that for a moment. You mm. think about that. 12 years just living off your savings. <laughs> um, you know... You just watch that watch that savings needle go down, 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 down. I know, mm. I know there are probably a bunch of you out there that at various times have had to, um, you know, to to live off savings for a period of time, and and those savings whittle away really fast, mm. and just yeah, they disappear very, very rapidly. Um, and so you can sort of imagine here that. Um, yeah, this is probably more of a sacrifice for Nehemiah mm. than for a lot of, um, you know, modern people today. Fully. Yeah, but it's not uncommon for um, somebody to get into power today who is incredibly wealthy just to say, look, you know what, I'm not going to take any pay. Mm. You know, I'm going to do this because I believe in it or because I want the ego boost from it or whatever it might be, and I don't need to be paid. Yeah, fully. But what's really interesting here is the, what the next verse says. Okay, okay. Let's read the next let's verse. Let's read the what next have you verse. Got there? This is cool. What have you got for us? Um, but the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, the other guys got paid, and that's because they didn't fear God. <laughs> they burdened the people. Oof. There is, I think, only two Jewish governors that are mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. One being Zerubbabel, who we know was a righteous person. Yeah. And the other being Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. We don't know the names of any of the ones that came in between. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of the reasons that we don't know their names is because maybe they were not so righteous. Yeah. And this is possibly an indication of it right here. And you will find this actually is a little bit uh, symptomatic in some ways of Nehemiah, is that um, he does good deeds and he does them for the purpose of setting an example. Mm. And so he doesn't, he does them publicly. Mm. You know, and he writes it down, and then he calls people out. Nehemiah, yeah, but probably, probably more than anything else, what you've got is Nehemiah calling people out. Yeah. When you read the book of Nehemiah, this is what you're going to find. It's 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 just classic to his character. Is that if somebody is doing the wrong thing, name and shame, mm-hmm. call them out, put them on trial. Um, put them in front of a, you know, in in the last few verses, put them in front of a great assembly of people. Mm. Um, he was not somebody who was afraid of calling out sin. I if he saw something was wrong, he's like, it's wrong and I'm going to state that it's wrong and I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to put it in history that the previous governors were doing the wrong thing. 
and it's it's purely because Nehemiah does not have the op like he cannot afford to deal with that. They're in such <laughs> a hectic and precious, sensitive, gnarly situation. Like he doesn't have the time to just let people like he doesn't have the time to let people be comfortable in their sin because they're just no. so uncomfortable. Like the nation is suffering, they're struggling, and it, that's that's what led to their downfall, anyways. Because Israel was so comfortable, Israel was prospering so much, then that's it. You know, because when when we get comfortable, sin creeps in like super easily. And this is the cycle that the nation of Israel follows. Mm. It follows a cycle of. Um, prosperity, mm-hmm. then turning away from God, then hard times, then coming back to God. You know, we talk about you know this is a cycle. This is part of uh, of uh, of how society works in many many ways. Mm. And um, he's come back to a situation where the economy is just wrecked. Yeah, it is a failed state when Nehemiah arrives, and you know within. What, 12, 13 years, he's able to completely turn it around with good management and with good economic strategy, but above all, with faithfulness to God. Mm. And so they've, you know, they've had a bunch of incompetent governors who have been there. And you know what's got, what it's, what, what it's like when you have uh, um, an incompetent person in government? You know, they've just been there for themselves, mm. they don't care about anybody else, they are making good money. Uh, 40 pieces of silver per person, that's pretty heavy tax in those days. Yeah. Uh, particularly when, you know, the majority of people don't actually ever deal with currency. Currency was something that was, you know, not a common thing. Mm. Um, plus, you know, the, the, the produce and so forth that they had to provide. And so, you know, the governors are just living in the lap of luxury and they just don't care about it. Mm. And Nehemiah comes in and is like, you know what, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm not going to take a cent from you guys. I know I am allowed to take this much. And by Persian law, I can take this much, and I'm not going to take a cent. It's something that we talked about a little bit earlier this week, and oh, yesterday, the the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Yes, like the letter of the law fully, uh, um, you know, gives Nehemiah the opportunity and the ability to go and do those things. But the spirit of the law, in in this particular sense, is like, hey, like I've been commanded by God to help restore the people. This is my whole purpose, and. <coughs> This is something that will not help. So and politically, you can look it. at the way the Persians were running the empire. They would give very, very good money to the governors through their system, mm. or they would give the governors power to gather very good money for themselves so that if somebody rebelled against the Persians, then the governors would be like, now am I going to make more money or less money with the new rulers that are coming through? Mm. And if the Persians are paying good money, it's like, well, then why would I abandon the Persians? Yeah, fully. You know, why would I risk everything that I've got right now? And they would, you know, the Persians were buying loyalty. Um, it happens all the time in today's world, as it happened all the all the time in the ancient world. Nothing uh, surprising or different about that. But that was the system they had set up. It did create an environment in which these governors could... Um, Persecute poorer people, basically, mm. and enslave them. And it had happened, and it got completely out of control here in um, in Judah. What's interesting, too, is that you know Nehemiah gets back there, and he builds a wall, and he sets about, and he institutes all of these reforms. Mm. What you're going to find is that Nehemiah, in many ways, is a forerunner of, and this will sound bad, but it's not. 
but it sounds bad. He was a forerunner of the Pharisees. Uh huh. Because the Pharisees built their reforms based around and their legalism based around uh, the reforms that Nehemiah brought in. I was reading this morning in Nehemiah chapter 9 and chapter 10, and yes. I was like, these are the circumstances that, like, this is literally what led to the Pharisees when G- when Jesus came around. Like, the 400 years later, I was like, oh, this is really, really cool history. But yeah, fully. Uh, well, we're going to continue on with our Bible study after this. This is Mark Schultz with Remember Me. Thank you. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Mark Schultz with Remember Me. You're listening to Faith FM, where we are about to have another clue for our quiz. Get ready to give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. What have you got for us there, Lawson? Okay, so we know that this guy we've been going through, my name has changed to Israel because I struggled with God and with men and overcame. But we also know that our next clue is, I am the father of Joseph and Benjamin. Okay, who was Joseph and Benjamin and a bunch of other guys' father? Oh, man, I have some friends named Joseph and Benjamin. Oh, I know really? their dad. Are they brothers? No, they're not. Oh. oh. They should be. Oh, man. If I have kids, like, just... <laughs> 12 tribes of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might mention this to your girlfriend when you get a girlfriend one of these days. Did you know that Lawson's planning on having the 12 tribes of Israel? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. Classic. Getting back to our Bible study, where did we get up to? What verse did we get up to? We're up to verse... Oh, I'm in there. I've been reading in Nehemiah chapter 9. Uh, we got up to verse 15. We read 15. verse 15. Okay, keep reading. Give us uh, 16, 17. Okay, in verse 16, the Bible says, Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers beside those who came to us from the nations around us. Okay, so not only is he not taking any wages, Mm -hmm. he is feeding on a daily basis 150 people. Yeah, wow. Okay, so he's going all out. Mm. This is a guy who is prepared to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah. He has done well in Persia. He has invested well. He has he has large uh, amount of wealth. He has purchased a bunch of uh, Jewish slaves in order to set them free, take them back to the land of Judah, where they have probably been re-enslaved by uh, by Jews, uh, Jews when, he, when they get back there. Um, he has been involved in all of this. Mm. And now for the next 12 years, he is going to be working for free and serving others. Mm-hmm. That tells you something about the kind of man that Nehemiah was and how much he believed in what was taking place. You know, you could look at Nehemiah and you could criticize him. It's like, well, Nehemiah, you know, he stayed in Persia for all of his life except for just 12 years. He spent, you know, all his time in uh, in Persia. He should have just gone back there and lived in Judah and become the new king of Judah and ruled over Judah and spent his lifetime in Judah. Why did he only spend 12 years there? Mm. Nehemiah spent 12 years there because that was all he needed to do, but it was not. he did not avoid Judah because he, did, he wanted to avoid sacrifice. Mm. Judah, he sacrificed to the max. Yeah. Um, and there's a lesson there for us. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Lawson and I were talking about during the break is that what you've got here um, amongst the reforms of Nehemiah is the origin of the Pharisees. Yeah. Now, the Pharisees did a lot of things that were wrong. Um, and they really, really messed up the whole concept of the gospel. And Nehemiah did not do that. But Nehemiah did recognize this one principle. When we serve God, God blesses us. Mm-hmm. When we turn away from God, we've turned away from the power of God. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we are turning away from the blessings of God as a godly nation. Mm-hmm. And so he recognizes this very, very clearly. And so one of the reasons that he's bringing about these reforms is saying, look, you know, this is what's been done in the past. And every time it happens in the past, you know, you've had these, you've had these uh, governors in the past who have turned away from, um, you know, from God. They haven't turned away from the letter of the law, but they've certainly turned away from the spirit of the law and they've oppressed the, the people and they've exacted these high wages and they've lived in luxury while everybody else is becoming slaves. And, um, and, and because of that, the nation is not pros- prospering. 
Mm. And so in 12 years, he turns this nation around. He makes it into a completely new and better nation. And he brings in all of these reforms. And what it does is it creates a class of people who, in many ways, become followers of Nehemiah. Or they're followers of the Nehemiah policy or the Nehemiah philosophy. And there's a lot of good parts to that because they're like, you know, let's make sure that we never turn away from God. That way we can guarantee our prosperity. And so then what they do to ensure that that never happens, they legislate. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a problem because now they are legislating religion. Yeah. And you should not be legislating religion. And then, of course, they begin to add, well, um, let's make a law so that this doesn't happen. Let's make a law so that that doesn't happen. Let's make a law about this in relationship to the Sabbath Mm. and that in the relationship to the Sabbath. And you can do this and you can't do that. And you can eat this way and you can't eat that way. And it was just law upon law upon law upon law upon law until there were more than 600 laws just on how to keep the Sabbath. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's like three in the Bible. <laughs> you come down to uh, the time of Jesus and it's got completely messed up, you know, yeah. 400 years later. Fully. And so Nehemiah starts a good thing, but, you know, one of the things that one of the things we need to be aware of as human beings is that the devil loves to push us to extremes. Yeah. And that's what has happened here. Yeah. The devil pushes them to one extreme and then back again. Mm. An extreme where they're far from God on the left and an extreme where they're far from God on the right. And one moment they're worshipping, you know, golden calves and Baal and so forth. And the next minute they've all become Pharisees. Yeah. And both extreme is just as lost as the other. Mm. But, uh, yeah, this is the origin of it right here. When, when Nehemiah's reforms is what brings this, uh, creates... Mm an environment in which that grows, but it was not Nehemiah's fault. You can't blame Nehemiah for it because Nehemiah does not do anything here that is unbiblical. Yeah, of course, one of the biggest ideas behind Nehemiah's reform and something that he he recognized that the Pharisees took to extremes. You know, when we look at the Pharisees um, in the time of Jesus, we're like, oh, I think especially through our 21st century Australian very multiculturalist lens, it's easy to look at the Pharisees and criticize them and say, wow, they're, they're so terrible, they were so classist, you know, and they were so racist and xenophobic against Gentiles and really terrible and awful. Of course, this understanding actually came from Nehemiah in the way that basically Nehemiah recognized, as you were saying, like when we turn away from God, we lose prosperity. And one of the biggest reasons for that is like every time we mingle with Gentiles, every time we mingle with non-Jewish people, we end up in apostasy. Like every time we spend uh-huh. time with them, every time we deal with them, every time we trade with them, like without fail, we end up apostatizing. We end up leaving the faith and turning away from God. Of course, the Pharisees took that to extremes and they made, you know, huge class systems that were really terrible. And like if you were a non-Jew who became a Jew, you're a proselyte. You weren't legit. And therefore there were certain regulations about what you couldn't, couldn't do, which was terrible. But that all came from the idea. Like, and, yeah, and it created this really terrible isolated society that was fueled by the ideology of the, of the Pharisees. But of course that came from Nehemiah's understanding that just like, oh, hey, we just really can't be like the nations around us. That was it, pretty much. They were like, we need to be right with God. Yes, and you can, you, you, you know, that whole exclusivity that you have when you come to the time of Jesus that, you know, it, it originates from, uh, you know, we, we want to maintain the blessings of God and, mm. yeah, anyway, it is what it is. We've got a couple more verses here to read. We haven't uh, read verse 19 yet, have we? No, we have not. 
Um, I th- Let's finish it off where wherever we're up to through to verse 19. Okay, so verse 18, it says, Now that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowl was prepared for me. And once every ten days, an abundance of all kinds of wine, yet, uh, yet abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions because the bondage was heavy on this people. Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. You think he was a bit uh, works focused, Nehemiah? He's like, I've done all this, so you need to remember me? <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, if you wanted to just take verse 19 by itself, well, there you would read that. But, it, of course, in the context of what Nehemiah was doing, and, and the fact that the Bible is very clear that faith without works is dead. Oh, absolutely. Nehemiah was an incredibly faithful person that was acting on his faith, yeah. and that's what we saw here. Uh, that's, that's right. And when you read the context, um, you've got a man of faith who is experiencing the grace of God, and that's why he's doing good things. And uh, recording it for us as an example that we can live by. This is uh, Sam Robinson with I Need You Every Hour. And we certainly do need that. Savior, I come to Thee. 
I'm Julia from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us and we'd love to see you there. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And I 
chest I've placed a heart Sanctified and blessed You're set apart Welcome back everybody That was Anna Beden with A Beating Heart Here on Faith FM Lawson, we are about to have question of the day But before we have question of the day why don't you give us another clue for the quiz? Nobody's called through for the quiz yet. Remember, oh. our number is 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Okay, I'm going to make up a clue. Oh! Here we go. All right. This guy worked 14 years to obtain two wives. One of which he didn't want to be with, and the other one which he did want to be with. That's why I worked 14 years. This is a messed up story. It is a super messed up story. Very messed up story. Okay, who was that that worked for 14 years to obtain two wives, one of which he never wanted? (laughs) Uh, Which is very sad for her. But, uh, yes, anyway, if you know the answer, give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 and you will have the answer coming your way. Okay, uh, Lawson, what have you got for um, our question of the day, our quad? Okay, our question of the day is... (laughs) No. Uh, Our question of the day is, based on the Bible study we've been doing, so check it out. If Nehemiah didn't accept payment to do God's work, should anyone accept payment to do God's work? And this is a this is based on a principle that you'll often find people using erroneously, uh, where they see a story in the Bible and they then work off the assumption that that is the model under which all similar circumstances should operate. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example of that. If you go to the book of Acts and you read the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts, you'll find that the Bible says that the believers had everything in common. In other words, it was a communistic uh, society in many ways that they had. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a word that's got a lot of people in the studio cringing all of a sudden. It's like, oh no. Don't tell me that the disciples were communists. Uh, but it was a communistic system. They sold their lands, they sold their property, they put everything into one big pool for the service of the work of God. And I have met people who live the same way today or choose to live the same way today for, interestingly enough, a remarkably short space of time. And so when I was living in Sydney, you know, there was a cult that lived in the Blue Mountains and you'd often see them you know, um, selling their products and whatnot around Sydney and have some interesting conversations with them. And they'd read the story in Acts and they had then assumed that this was the model under which everybody should operate in today's day and age, in today's society. Failing to realize that this was actually the only time in the Bible where this kind of a system operated and that there is no biblical mandate for it. Mm. And so it's important to, when you see these kind of things to ask yourself the question, okay, are there other examples of this? All right, if there are other examples of this, are those examples universal? Mm. Because if there are other examples and they are universal, then we would say, yes, this is a biblical model by which we must live. Um, if there are other examples and they are not universal, then clearly, and I'm talking about you know amongst God-fearing, God-serving people, 
Um, if there are other examples or there are no other examples, um, either which way, but if they're not universal, even if there is only one exception in the Bible, then clearly this is not a moral imperative. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to differentiate between what is a moral imperative and what was the best idea for the time. Okay, so we, uh, we, we, we mentioned here in the book of Nehemiah how Nehemiah chose not to receive wages. That was his own personal choice for the space of 12 years while he was governor. However, let me ask you about Zerubbabel. Was Zerubbabel a righteous man? Yes. Yes, he was a righteous man. He was a servant of God, somebody whom God spoke to through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, um, and somebody who followed their counsel. But as Nehemiah points out, none of the governors before him had lived off their own uh, savings. All of the governors before him had received wages for what they had done. Mm -hmm. And when he says all of the governors before him we know from the context and and from reading between the lines here that some of those governors were very corrupt. Yeah. However, we find that with Nehemiah, of course, he was not corrupt. Um, sorry, with Zerubbabel, he was not corrupt, and yet he did receive wages. And so because you have an exception, we know it is not a moral imperative. Oh, there you go. So this is uh, Kemi Ogendi with How on Faith FM. Come to the altar, come to the altar Wear your best clothes, we'll put on a show Just get comfortable, this space is all yours It's all about you Come to the Saviour, God our Creator Come, let us praise Him for maybe an hour Then when we're done, we'll Pack him all up, send him back to his corner Sing about Jesus, sing of his love Sing of the life that he gave up for us But heaven forbid that God would have the nerve to ask you to give up your own What you say, you believe Let him write it on your heart Let him carve it on each part of who you are Cause how can we follow Christ only when it's convenient? How can we worship a God who we don't even know? word for a moment or so take what you like and leave what you don't tell me how tell me how what you say you believe would you write it with your blood The God we say we love, oh, he's worth it all. He is worth it all. What you stand here and 
That was uh, Kemi Ogendi with How here on Faith FM, and we have come to the end of our show, which means... Oh, by the way, congratulations to Fred for uh, getting the correct answer to the quiz this morning. Of course, the correct answer was Jacob. Jacob, who was who used a stone for a pillow, blessed Pharaoh twice, had a daughter named Dinah, had... Um, what were some of the other clues? He was married to both Rachel and... And Leah. And he was eventually named Israel. And his, That's right. That was Jacob. Very good. Okay, Lawson, what have you got for our free giveaway right now? So, of course, um, on the show this morning, we do a lot of talking, but also we listen to a fair bit of music, uh, most of which is curated by producer Shell, and it's really awesome and amazing. And we have an album to give away from one of our Faith FM-approved artists, uh, the Stones of Eden, so um, Brad and Donna Horn. Uh, we love these guys so much on the station, and we love their music. And so, yeah, we're giving away their debut album. It's called Turn to the Heavens. Um, so if you want to get this album, completely for free, which we would really encourage you um, to do. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you will be able to win this completely for free. Also, you can text us on 0491-064-669, and uh, yeah, call us up, get this album. We know you want to, so just just do it. Absolutely. And of course, um, yes, we... um uh, blessed with these guys out at Maitland Church. Um, they regularly perform there, and um, just head along to uh, if you're in the Newcastle Hunter region, head along to Maitland Adventist Church, and you can hear Stones of Eden there on a 
semi-regular basis as a part of our worship team. Always fantastic to have them there as a part of the program. Okay, we have come to the end of our show. Don't forget, whenever you can, grab hold of the Bible and spend time reading your Bible. It will draw you closer to God. Amen.
Hi guys, it's Baron here from Drew Wooden Toys, and I'm a local member of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in Warrigal. We just want to invite you and your family to worship Jesus Christ with us on Saturdays. We have a kids program and an adult Bible study starting at 10 a.m., then the divine service at 11:30. For more information, Google Seventh Day Adventist Church in Warrigal.